Hey, welcome to episode number 86 of More Than Bread, a, a podcast that values the voice of God coming through the Word of God by the Spirit of God into the people of God. My name is Dan. I'm, I'm your host, your Bible reader, and one of the pastors at Calvary Church in Central PA. And, and let me just say how thrilled I am that you're joining in on this quest to work through the Gospel of Mark. Um, and, and if there's any friends that you have that you think would benefit from this, pass the link on to them, the title on to them. They can Google it more than bread, maybe even more than bread, Dan Nold, but they'll find it. I've checked. It's easy to find Spotify, Apple. It's all over the place, but I'd love to have more um, join us. I have no idea where you are while you're listening to me. Having talked to a few of you, I may not want to know, but regardless, I'm glad that you are joining us. As we journey together through the scripture, I'm encouraging you to do three things. Listen, I mean, that's obvious. This is a podcast, but more than just listening to me, my voice, I'm, I'm asking you to listen for the whisper of the Spirit stirring up your heart. Maybe it's a story or a principle, a verse, a, a truth, whatever it is, grab it. As you as you listen to the Word of God, that the Spirit will stir stump, something up in your heart, and, and that's something specifically He wants you to grab. And then as you listen, the second thing you do is learn. We are enrolling in the school of Christ. So every episode, every time I read, learn something new about Jesus or the people who are motivated by their love for Jesus. And and finally, don't leave without figuring out where God might want you to lean in. It, whether I hit it or not, after you listen to my words, ask yourself the question, what's next? What's my next step? Be a doer, not just a listener. Respond. Now, for this episode, we're going to be reading and focusing on Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. It's the story of Jesus feeding of the crowd, feeding of the 5,000. And, and it's the only miracle story found in all four Gospels. Well, the only one other than the resurrection. This is one of two crowd feeding stories in the Gospels. We'll actually run into the second one later in Mark, but that one is only recorded in Mark and Matthew. This is the only miracle story recorded in all four Gospels. Now, as I read... John actually makes a bigger deal of this than Mark. But as I read, don't forget that Jesus is the word of God made flesh, John 1.1. And he also calls himself the bread of life, John 6. So the word of God is the bread of life. And, and we need more than bread. We need more than stuff. We need the word of God. So, so this, this story that we're going to share from Mark 6 is, is really in some ways one of the hallmark more than bread stories. So listen as I read Mark 6, 30 through 44. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. And then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. But my words, I'll also remember um just soon before this, Jesus has found out that John the Baptist has been beheaded. He's got some stuff on his shoulders. He he needs some time away. Verse 32, so they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had, had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Now, remember, in my words, 
Um, the disciples think they're going on a retreat with Jesus. They're, they're going to get some time alone with Jesus. And instead, he spends all this time in ministry, care, compassion, f- helping people, teaching people. And, and now, late in the afternoon, they're, they're saying, it's, it's time to send them away, Jesus. Send the crowds away, verse 36, so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, no, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have? Jesus asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, don't forget, these are my words, don't forget if you've read this same story, remember it's in it's in the other the other gospels as well. If you read this one in John, you know that that they got this five loaves of bread and two fish from a young boy, unnamed boy, it's his sack lunch. Verse 39, then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. He looked up toward heaven. He blessed them. And then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish and a total of 5,000 men and their families. So more than 5,000, 5,000 men and their families. Most estimates are somewhere between 15 and 25,000 people. A total of 15 to 25,000 people were fed. Now don't forget the context here. Mark tells us that Jesus had gathered the apostles around him and, and they reported on all that they had done. They, he had sent them out, remember? And now they're coming back. They're reporting on what they had done. But that's not all they reported on. Matthew and his gospel starts this story on the heels of John the Baptist's death with the words, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. When Jesus heard what had happened, what had happened that, that morning, Jesus woke to report about the death of John the Baptist, his cousin, perhaps even a close friend, killed by Herod as a gift to his niece, the daughter of his brother's wife, with whom he was having an affair. And not only that, but there's pretty good in- indication that Herod at this point may be seeking to kill Jesus as well. So I don't know, I just imagine Jesus is struggling, grieving, maybe even a bit angry or discouraged, and he realizes that he needs to get away. He needs to clear his head, spend some time listening to God. He needs to pray. He needs to regain God's perspective, regain his Father's perspective on life. I don't know what you're going through right now, but I do know that our circumstances will stop us from our journey if we can't get God's perspective. If we can't get God's perspective. Where do you need God's perspective in your life right now? Jesus is trying to get time alone so he can process, so he can get the Father's perspective. But but the story continues. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from all the towns in the surrounding area. It's no different today. I'm telling you, if Jesus shows up, the crowds will still follow. And perhaps the reason the crowds today are skeptical about the church is because they just aren't sure they can find Jesus here. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. As the evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is, this is a wilderness place. We were supposed to be here on retreat. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go get themselves some food. And Jesus said, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. I just want you to put yourself here in this moment. 
The disciples want to get rid of the crowd. Jesus wants to feed the crowd. Jesus looked and he saw people in need of compassion. His disciples looked and they saw an inconvenience in need of an elimination. Send them away. Jesus, enough is enough. Matthew tells us that Jesus was moved with compassion. He uses a little bit different word than Mark does. I I don't deal with the Greek words all the time, but I love the Greek word translated here as moved with compassion. It's the word splanknitsomai. It's literally a a sensation in the guts, like like when we speak of heartbreaking or head spinning or or gut wrenching feelings today. Not not just silent tears, but groans of anguish. Not just a twinge of pity, but heartbroken compassion. He had a yearning for the people. See, Jesus saw people with his heart. How do we see people? And, and, you know, it wasn't just that the people were hungry or sick or in need of a leader. The greater reality was simply that people people mattered to Jesus, and, and they still do, all people, regardless of how they identify, what they're doing or what they've done, how well they've succeeded or failed, people who wear their brokenness on the outside and people who hide their brokenness on the inside, lost people, people who ridicule your faith, your enemies, <laughs> Listen, if we want to live like Jesus lived, if we want to live our lives without walls, we need to pray, God, give me compassion. Would you just whisper that to yourself right now? Just a quick prayer. God, would you give me compassion? And then ask yourself, who is God calling you to see with compassion? Maybe it's someone God has brought into your life, a family member that's hard to love, a friend that betrayed your trust, someone who hurt you and you find it hard to forgive. Is there someone in your life, God is saying, I I want you to see them through my heart. Dan, I love them. I I want you to see them through my heart. So all the people were fed with 12 baskets of leftovers, and the evening came. And the next day, John tells us in his gospel that the people came looking for Jesus again. (laughs) Big surprise, huh? Jesus, what's for breakfast? That's what most of them were thinking. And Jesus told them in John 6, 26, you've come looking for me, not because you saw God in my actions, but because I fed you. <laughs> I filled your stomachs for free. And then he said this. This is, this is part of where we get this podcast more than bread. He said, don't waste your energy striving for perishable food like that. Work for the food that sticks with you, food that nourishes your lasting life. And then later in in Mark 6 and verse 47, he said, I'm telling you, whoever believes in me has real life, eternal life. I am the bread of life. Jesus is saying that in the end, we're all hungry. We just don't know what will satisfy our hunger. I remember years ago, Lynn and I spent a a day, it was 24 hours, with a group of Calvary leaders praying and talking about and, and seeking God's leading for our facilities on this piece of property that we call Harvest Fields. It was an incredible time. But that Friday night, while we were out at Woodward, that was a a camp where we were, retreat center where we were staying, Lynn Lynn got a text from Jake, and Jake was playing rugby at the time for the local high school. She got a text saying, hey, mom, I think I broke my nose playing rugby. (laughs) She came over to me more than a little bit concerned. Dan, Jake thinks he broke his nose playing rugby. And of course, I said, yeah, but who won? (laughs) She said, I don't know. I didn't ask. I'm just going, what? You didn't ask. (laughs) So I texted him. He said, we won. I I played the whole game. And man, it was just kind of like I wanted to go home and give him a man hug, a dad hug. And 
And so then about 1130 at night, we're, we're sleeping out at this retreat center. Lynn gets a phone call from Sarah, our daughter, because Jake isn't feeling well. He's nauseous. His head hurts. He's really groggy. So being a nurse, Lynn knew that he was about to die, and she wanted to go see him one more time. So we drove in to take him to the emergency room. And in fairness to Lynn, he did have a broken nose. They did a CAT scan of his head, and it showed that you know everything was fine there, and and just a mild concussion, a broken nose. And and we could have been in and out of there in no time flat. But at about 1.30, 2 a.m. in the morning, the ambulances started coming in. There was 10 in less than an hour. And I think all or most, almost all of them were college students, Penn State University college students who had drunk too much. Halls were full of students on stretchers, unconscious, having their stomachs pumped. You know, it just hit me that they're just hungry. All the parties and drinking and hooking up, it's all a voice crying out from behind walls saying, I have a hunger that goes so deep, I'm not sure it will ever be satisfied. And they don't realize it, but really what their hearts are saying is, God, give me Christ. God, give me Christ. I need Jesus so bad. John Stott relates a haunting conversation he had with two university students, brothers who had rejected the faith of their parents. One was now agnostic and the other an atheist. And John asked them why they'd given up their faith. Did they they no longer believe in the truth of Christianity? No, that wasn't the problem, they said. Our dilemma is not whether Christianity was true, but whether it is relevant, whether it matters. You know, when it comes to church, we can come up with all sorts of defensive reasons. It's not fair what people think of us. Sure, we get a bad rap when some public Christian does a bad thing and and sure, some people are just looking for an easy out to save them from the heart work of seeking God. But, but with all that, it's, it's only fair for people to ask the question, can you really deliver what I need? I mean, it's not that people don't want Jesus. They just can't figure out if we've met him. I, I don't think it's a commitment problem. They just don't want to give their lives to our religion. What they want to know is, have you met the Jesus? Can you help me find him? And is he worth my life? So what we need is more capacity for Christ. We need to become students of Jesus. We need to be so in Christ that people people can find Jesus when they come to us. And, And if we will do that, then Jesus becomes the multiplier. And the answer to the question will be yes. You know, my favorite rendition of this story is in John's gospel. In John's gospel, we find... I just said earlier, the the five loaves and the two fish came from a young boy's sack lunch. And I mean, think about that. Most of the people who followed Jesus didn't have much. They were poor. And this young lad gave what he had. He he didn't know how it would be used. He didn't even know if he would get to eat, but he gave what he had. You've probably heard of Michael Jordan, one of the all-time great, perhaps the all-time greatest NBA basketball player. In the champion run of 1996, there was another player on the Chicago Bulls that most of us don't remember. His name was Jack Haley. He it was basically Dennis Rodman's babysitter. Jack Haley played in one game. It was an easy victory for the Bulls. Michael Jordan had already scored 50 points. The Bulls were leading by 30. Jake, Jack excuse me, came in and scored one point. <laughs> Later, in an interview, Haley said, I cannot wait for the day. One day, I'll be able to tell my grandchildren about the day that Michael Jordan and I scored 51 points together. <laughs> A crowd of, I don't know, 20,000 people were fed that day. I used to wonder what happened to the leftovers, 12 baskets full. 
But, you know, this time around, I was just thinking, you know what? It doesn't matter who got the leftovers because the day wasn't about food. And for the rest of his life, this young man would be able to talk about the day that he and Jesus fed a crowd. And as I pondered this story about a young boy who gives up his lunch to change the world, I I don't know, I just hear Jesus saying to me, saying to you, you have everything you need to impact your world if you're willing to give everything you have. I believe in the days to come, if we're faithful to follow Jesus, we're going to see multitudes come looking for him. And when that time comes, have faith. The hour is not too late. The place we live is not too desolate. We have all the resources necessary to meet the needs of the crowd. In the kingdom, Jesus has proven time and time again that we don't need a reservoir of resources before we attempt the impossible. As long as we remain blessed and broken, as long as we are willing to go out among the people, as long as we are willing to give him what little we have, he'll take what little we have and make it much. See, more than anything, like that young boy, I just want to come to a point in my life where one day I can tell my grandkids, (laughs) once upon a time, Jesus and I did something great. Listen again to that story from The Message. The apostles then rendezvoused with Jesus and reported all they had done and taught. And Jesus said, come off by yourselves. Let's take a break and get a little rest. For there was constant coming and going. They didn't even have time to eat. So they got in the boat and ran off to a remote place by themselves. Someone saw them going and the word got around. From the surrounding towns, people went out on foot running and got there ahead of them. When Jesus arrived, he saw this huge crowd and at the sight of them, his heart broke. Like sheep with no shepherd, they were. He went right to work teaching them. When his disciples thought this had gone on long enough, it was not quite late in the day. They interrupted. We're a long way out in the country, Jesus. It's very late. Pronounce a benediction. Send these folks off so they can get some supper. Jesus said, you do it. Fix supper for them. They replied, are you serious? You want us to go spend a fortune on food for their supper? But Jesus was quite serious. How many loaves of bread do you have? Take an inventory. Didn't take long. Five, they said, plus two fish. Jesus got them all to sit down in groups of 50 or 100. They looked like a patchwork quilt of wildflowers spread out in the green grass. He took the five loaves and two fish, lifted his face to heaven in prayer, blessed, broke, and gave the bread to the disciples. And the disciples, in turn, gave it to the people. He did the same with the fish. They all ate their fill. The disciples gathered 12 baskets of leftover. More than 5,000 were at supper. Jesus, I pray that you would you would rip out of our hearts if it needs to be ripped or or dissolve it, but get out of our lives a scarcity mentality that says, I don't have enough to do what God wants me to do. God, too many of us have this mentality that we have to hang on to everything that we have with all that we got, because if we give it away, we'll lose. But I pray like that young boy who gave away his sack lunch. I pray like the disciples that day who who just thought they had nothing to give. They didn't have enough energy or time or compassion to take care of the people. And yet you showed them that blessed and broken, when we give what we have, there's always enough for everyone. God, I pray that you would give us a a mentality of abundance. I, I pray that you would give us a faith that would say to the people around us, when Jesus shows up, 
He can do more than we can imagine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.